Hello and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. Uh, we're in a series uh, entitled Defiant Joy. And I, I had that message so big on my heart, but I just felt arrested this weekend to go in a different direction. And um, I want to talk today about the return of the Lord Jesus. How many of you know he's coming back? Jesus is coming back. And I want to talk about that in end times. Uh, And so we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, We're going to read a lot of scripture, take a lot of screenshots, all of those kinds of things, like, uh, because we're going to be diving in. And I want to encourage you, after we study these things here, go home and study them out for yourselves. So uh, to begin, let's open up to the book of John, and we're going to look at John chapter 14. Uh, Here Jesus is beginning a discussion with his disciples, and he tells them something which, as Christians, we should know, and honestly, we should look forward to. John 14 and verse number 1, he says, Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, watch this, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be there also. Now, this is the crux of our faith, that we are saved. Well, saved from what? Saved from destruction, saved from hell, saved to Jesus, and saved to heaven, and a new heaven, and a new earth. Uh, Jesus is coming again. And for the early church, this was something they looked forward to. And because they had this awareness that they would see Jesus, it changed the way that they lived. Uh, It changed their personal level of holiness because they believed that they would see the Lord Jesus shortly. And it also motivated them in their evangelism that they went into the uttermost places of the world as they could. And now we can go so much further and faster with airplanes and technology. But when you read the book of Acts, you you see these people sharing their faith wherever they could share their faith. Why? Because they believed Jesus was coming. Um, This type of teaching is absent from our churches today. Uh, for me, it is something that I, I'm almost a little ashamed if I can be honest. And is this a safe place to be honest? Like, can I be honest across all of our campuses today? Uh, I feel ashamed because I have never preached on end times um, and that type of thing in, in 20 years of ministry. And somebody says, well, well why? Well, the, the truth of the matter is, is I tell the story and the testimony of how when my father passed away and I became pastor of this church... 
I was sitting in a seat uh, that he had in his office that was looking at his bookshelves. And I I had a a moment where I just knew, like, I'm praying for God to use me like my father, but I'm not willing to pay the price my father paid. Like, he read all of these books. And the Holy Spirit can only bring to your remembrance that which you've remembered and and studied. And so I saw I need to study my, to show myself approved, a workman who did not need to be ashamed. And so I threw away my television. You heard this, you've heard the story before if you've attended. I put it on the side of the road, put the television there, and I made a decision by the end of the year. That's what I said. I didn't quite finish it, but I said, by the end of the year, I'm going to read every one of these books. And I began to read them. And many of the books that were were on the shelves were books about end times. And they were written in the 60s and 70s and early 80s. And as I read those books, I saw something that uh, alarmed me. I, I saw that many of them were filled with opinion. Many of them were filled with politics. And most importantly, many of them were wrong (laughs) of what they said would happen. Of like, here's what would happen in 1988. Here's what would happen in 1989. Here's what would happen by year 2000. Like, all of these kinds of things. And so it, it really kind of turned me off from the subject. But here lately, I have been spending more time than ever before with the Word of God, reading uh, the Gospels and the Epistles, which are books like Philippians and Colossians and Ephesians. And um, as I just dive into it, like never before, I see that the return of the Lord is mentioned all throughout them. And we need to know about it. And I feel like with all going on in the world today, we need to know about it so that we can see the signs of the times. Um, So why study this? Well, for a lot of reasons, but I'll give you three. Number one, they'll put it up on the screens. You need to know what scripture says about his second coming. He is coming again. And here's why 30% of scripture, like 30% of your Bible uh, is prophecy. Over 500 of them have not been fulfilled yet, but are being fulfilled literally with each passing day. Um, So 30% of scripture is prophecy. Jesus' return is mentioned 329 times. So all in scripture, the second coming of the Lord Jesus, his return, not his first coming, but his second, is mentioned 329 times. Only salvation is mentioned more, meaning that Jesus came to save you is the only subject in Scripture that is mentioned more than his second coming. His second coming in Scripture is mentioned more than faith, it's mentioned more than healing, it's mentioned more than any other subject. And so many people could tell you more about those subjects than they could about his second coming. And that's wrong because Scripture uh, teaches on this so much. Uh, In fact, one out of every 30 scriptures in the New Testament is about his second coming. I want you to get that. One out of every 30 scriptures in the New Testament is about his second coming. And somebody says, well, why is this so important? Because of point number two. When you believe you will see the Lord soon, it changes the way you live. It'll change your personal level of holiness and it will change your evangelism. Um, we have so many people living only for this life. And I want to encourage you, if you want like extra credit, go home and read 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when you get home. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
And one of the things that Paul teaches there is that on the day of the Lord, which is on the day of his second coming, when you see the Lord Jesus, everything that is not of him or his will is burned up. And that you suffer the loss of all of those things. And we have so many people right now who are living for this life, but are not thinking about the next life at all. Friends, I'm telling you, I see this more and more with my grandmother who's 90. We're taking care of her. This life is but a vapor. It is here today and gone tomorrow. And I believe that Jesus could come back in our lifetime. We could be raptured. I believe that. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But even if that's not the case, and and we live a long time and we leave this earth, there will come a day where you see Jesus and you realize the time on this earth was very short compared to the time you will be with him. And we need to live more for that life than we are for this life. And so when we're mindful of his second coming, it changes the way we live. We begin to live with urgency. We, we share our faith. We fund missions projects. We pray for those who are lost. We're not afraid of persecution because we, we want to stand for truth so that people come to know the truth. It changes the way that we live. And thirdly, it gives you peace. When you understand that scripture has already talked about all of these things that you see happening in the world, you realize... He wins. And when he wins, we win. And so out of that, we don't have to be filled with fear. We don't have to be filled with anxiety. We don't have to let our hearts be troubled, as Jesus said, because we know Jesus is on the throne and his will will be done in the earth. Uh, So whenever you talk about these things, it is crucial that you understand this important fact, and it is no one knows. I I don't care who they are or what book they have written. No one knows the exact day or time of the Lord's return. No one. Well, how do we know that? Because Jesus said it. Uh, Watch what Jesus said in Matthew 24 uh, in verse number 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows. So how many of you know when Jesus says no one knows, it means what? No one knows. Uh, So no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor even Jesus, but the Father alone. So only the Father knows the exact day and time of the Lord. Now, with that being said, Jesus also taught, literally taught, and you can see it in Mark, you can see it in Matthew, and you can see it in Luke, literally taught something uh, about this, though. And watch what he said in the book of Luke, uh, that the Lord said, you will see the signs of his coming. So no one knows the exact time or hour, but Jesus said repeatedly, you will see the signs of his coming and to be mindful of these signs. In Luke 21 and verse 31, he said, so also when you see these things, and he listed what those things are, when you see these things happening, recognize the kingdom of God is near. Well, why do I need to recognize it's near? Because if you see it's near, it'll change your urgency. It'll change the way you live. And so out of that, Jesus said that there would be signs that we would see in the earth. Now, what I want to do today is I want to show you 10 of those signs. I had 76. Uh, so the, the, the hard part was, I, I'm a nerd, man. I like to study. I had 76. I took 76 to 10. Uh, but, but out of this, I want to show you 10 things. Some of them had, have happened. Some of them are happening. Others of them are about to happen. And I'm going to show you what these 10 things are. 
And Jesus said, when you see these things, his return is near. Uh, So this is a big one. Number one, Israel made a nation again. Um, Here, well, let's just read. In Isaiah chapter 11, the prophet Isaiah says this in verse number 11. Isaiah 11, 11. Then it will happen on that day, uh, says the Lord, will again recover the second time with his hand the remnant of his people. Um, Here, the prophet Isaiah, and once again, 30% of scripture is prophecy. It's men and women who saw into the future and wrote what they saw. He said, there will come a time where Israel will be recovered again a second time. And somebody says, well, why is that a big deal? Because Israel is the only country on the earth ever that was remade a second time. So it was a country. Israel was a country. And in 500 BC, uh, Babylon came and took over Israel, took all of the, the nation of Israel over into Babylon. And for 70 years, they were in captivity. That was the first time. After the 70 years, they went back to Israel, and it was reestablished as a nation. Then in 70 AD, so 500 BC was Babylon, in 70 AD, the Roman Empire came and overtook Jerusalem. When they overtook Jerusalem, they burned down the temple. So the temple was built, they burned it down. They killed one million Jewish people. They killed one million Jewish people. And when this happened, the Jewish people were scattered over the face of the earth. Uh, Now, all of that is prophecy. That the the Jewish people would lose their land and would be scattered all over the earth. But there would come a day in time where they would have their land back and they would migrate into that country. That happened in 1948. In 1948, Israel was made a nation again. And when that became a nation, it set off a chain of event of prophecy. Because Jesus can't come back, because he's going to come back according to his word. He can't come back until Israel was a nation. Which is when you read a lot of those books that were written in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, that was the turning point. When they saw Israel become a nation again, no one ever believed it would happen. When they saw it become a nation again, they saw like, oh my, it is happening in the earth. What the world thought was impossible is now possible. Israel is a nation again. Now, I'll give you a couple more scriptures to to just kind of show you how prophetic this is. Go over to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse number 3. For behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people, Israel and Judah. The Lord says, I will also bring them back to the land that I gave to their forefathers, and they will possess it. Fulfillment of prophecy, 1948. Uh, We can look at another one. This is one of my favorites. You want to read some prophetic books? Ezekiel 36, 37, and 38. Um, In in this, we, we actually sing about it. Elevation wrote a song about it, and we talk about our dry bones coming back to life. Uh, that's actually a prophecy not for us. That was a prophecy that was for the nation of Israel. It's fine to sing the song because God can bring dead things back to life. But it's, it's just funny to me how we take scripture out of context sometimes. This, this was written to the nation of Israel. And this is a powerful prophecy. That there will come a time where Israel as a nation will be dead. And the prophet is watching this death that Israel no longer exists. It is not on the earth And he's seeing this, and and God asked the prophet Ezekiel, can dead things come back to life? 
I see a valley full of dry bones. And, and, and Ezekiel says, you know, Lord. And he said, prophesy, speak to these dry bones that they will come back and form a nation again. And so you see a part of this in Ezekiel 37 and 12. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord, behold, I will open your graves And I will cause you to come out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. I'm going to bring Israel back, he says. He keeps going here in verse number 13. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. Verse 14. I will put my spirit within you. You will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. So Israel becoming a nation again was a, just the event that, that set off a chain of events that we are seeing all the way up till now. Number two, Israel being a nation in one day, May 14th, 1948, Israel became a nation. Our president of America, Harry Truman, came and said, now Israel is a nation. It's huge that he did that. Huge. Because when he did that, it made other nations come and say, yes, they are a nation. And in that day, in one day, it became a nation again. May 14th, 1948. Uh, It was their day where Israel was literally not a nation, brought back nation. Um, And it's a chain, uh, uh, it's a prophecy that Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah 66, verse 7 uh, through 8. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she gave birth to a boy. Who has heard of such a thing, meaning that you could have, um, you know, a baby without the labor? Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she also brought forth her sons. Uh, What he's talking about is in that moment and in that time, a nation will be born again in one day. And it was May 14th, 1948. Um, Third piece of prophecy that we have seen happen. Right now I'm talking about the past, a prophecy that recently in a generation has happened. Number three, Jerusalem's control coming into the hands of Israel, June 1967. When Israel was made a nation again, they didn't own all the land, um, especially Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is key for scripture and prophecy. It is, it is a point of contention. And the reason why is in Jeremiah chapter 3, God said, Jerusalem will be my throne. And Satan, what did you see Satan do when he was in the heavens? He tried to compete for the throne of God in the heavens. God said no, and he cast him down to the earth. God has made Jerusalem his throne on the earth. So what do you see the whole world contending over right now? Jerusalem. When Israel was made uh, as a nation, when it was made as a a nation, it didn't get all of Jerusalem back. But on 1967, in an event called the Six-Day War, uh, the, the results of that war gave Israel control, government control, over all of Jerusalem, which was a major fulfillment of prophecy and a big sign of the times. Uh, I'll give you the, the biggest one that Jesus said in Luke chapter 21. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Now, let me just say, this already happened. And, and this prophecy that, that Jesus here is given was fulfilled in AD 70 when Rome invaded Israel. 
They came and surrounded Jerusalem and desolated her. They burned the temple. And when, they, when this happened, Israel and the, the Jewish people were scattered all over the earth, which fulfilled this. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. So you see Jerusalem having to leave. And those who are in the midst of the city must leave. And those who are in the country must, enter in, must not enter into the city because these are the days of vengeance so that all the things which are written will be fulfilled. Woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to this people. This happened eighty seventy with Rome. But watch this. And they will fall by the edge of the sword. They will be led captive into all nations. So the Israeli people will lose their nation. Uh, They'll be spread out into all these other nations. And after that, Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So notice, it's talking about Israel, but then it shifts to talking specifically about what? The Gentiles, where? In Jerusalem. And it says that they will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And in 1967... All, for, for over 1,900 years, Jerusalem had not been ruled by uh, the Jewish people. And in 1967, that all changed. And according to Jesus, when that changes, the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Huge point of prophecy. Number four. Is this okay? Are we, are we learning anything? To, okay, good, good, good. Number four. Wars and rumors of wars. Now, like when you read that, and this is like people, it's so funny because like people are, I'd read all these books of people like wars and rumors of war. I'm like, wars have always existed. Like rumors of wars, like that's so vague. Or like they're, they're interpreting like, here's what this means in Revelation. I'm like, how do you know? John was seeing the future. Can you imagine being on the Isle of Patmos and you have a vision and see a submarine? How would you describe a submarine? It looks like a dragon. Yeah, you know, like that kind of thing. Like, I don't know what a jet, how would you describe a jet? You know, all those kinds of things. So there's a lot of vagueness, but here's what you need to know is that the Bible is very specific. It's not just war and rumors of wars. There is a war that will end all wars. And you know where it's at? Israel. You read, you can write these down. You read in in the book of Revelations uh, 16, 13 through 16. You read Ezekiel 38, Revelation 16, 13 through 16. Ezekiel 38, you see John the Revelator in in Revelations sees a vision of a war that will end all wars. And it's happening in a valley uh, called Megiddo. And it will be Armageddon where the nations of the world will assemble together to fight Israel. And when this happens, they will find that they are not only fighting Israel, they are fighting the Lord. And at this moment, um, when, when, he came, when Jesus came the first time, he came as a lamb. When he comes the second time, he's coming as a lion. And out of this, um, this war will be a war that ends all wars. Ezekiel 38 sees it play out. Like Ezekiel the prophet has a vision and he sees this war. And in this war, he sees 
nations from the north and a nation from the east come and make war on Israel. Now, if you look at a map and you know geography, if you just draw a line from from Israel just straight up, from Jerusalem straight up, uh, the first thing you run into is Lebanon. I love Lebanon, been there five times. Uh, Out of that, in Lebanon is an organization called Hezbollah. Hezbollah is a puppet of Iran. Iran is directly east of of Israel. Uh, Directly above Lebanon, you have a nation called Syria. In Syria, before Russia invaded the Ukraine, and we, we see their posture towards the world right now, before they invaded the Ukraine, they came into Syria. And now in Syria, they control nine Air Force bases. This is fact. Uh, out of this, directly above Syria, you have a nation called Turkey. Uh, you look at what the, their prime minister has spoken, especially about Jerusalem. You can see his posture towards the people. Above Turkey is a nation called Russia. Literally, if you drew a straight line from, from Jerusalem, you know what you'd run into? Moscow. It is all lining up. You cannot make it up. And so out of this, you see a war that will end all wars. And when you see the war and rumors of the war of like what this could look like or how this could work in the earth or like what could happen if this happens and then they jump in, all of those kinds of things, that's the specific rumor of the wars and the rumors of the war. Now, I believe that we will be raptured before that war actually takes place. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, that, that out of that, though, the pieces, you will see it in place. And when you see those places, he said, the end of the Lord is, or the end of time, and the return of the Lord is at hand. Uh, Joel, which is my favorite book of the Bible, says this, in Joel chapter 3 and verse number 1, For behold, watch this, in those days and at that time, it's key. In those days, at that time, when I restore the for- keep it right here, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. Now, has God restored the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem? Yes. In those days and at that time. That happened in 1948, 1967. In those days and at that time. Watch what happens. Keep going. Verse 2. I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Once again, another prophet seeing the future and seeing a war that will end all wars right there in Israel. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of all of my people, my inheritance Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations that happened in in AD 70 with the Roman Empire, and they have divided up my land. This is the Lord telling us, here's what will happen in the future. It's not just wars and rumors of wars. There's a specific war, the war to end all wars, that you will hear rumors of and you will see on the horizon of time. Next one, next sign, number five. The days of Noah and Sodom will be on the earth. The days of Noah and the days of Sodom will be on the earth. Um, Jesus said this in Luke 17 and verse 26 and verse 30, which is why I believe we'll be raptured before. Because before judgment hit in the days of Noah, they were in the boat. Before judgment hit in the days of Sodom, Lot was out of the city. Um, So out of this, and two, I can't understand how the devil will do all that he will do in the tribulation with believers who still have the authority of the name of Jesus still in the earth. Anyway. But Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, and as it was in the days of Sodom, 
so it will be in that time and it will be assigned to you. Watch what he said in Luke 17, 26. And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, and they were marrying. They were giving in marriage until that day. Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was at the same time as it happened in the days of the Lord. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planning, they were building. But on that day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Uh, So here you see, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Sodom, so it will be in the the time when the Son of Man comes back. Um, Let's look specifically at what it looked like in the days of Noah. They'll put that up there in the book of Genesis. Watch the days of Noah. Then the Lord said uh, that he saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent and thought of man's heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and the birds of the sky, and I'm sorry that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father. Keep going, verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with what? As it was in the day of Noah. The earth was filled with violence. Keep going. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. And then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. The hallmark of the days of Noah was violence. Um, Now, you know, I know the earth has always had violence. Um, But I'll, I'll ask you, like in our schools, our schools, in our schools, in our politics, um, in in our government structures, we have seen violence on a scale that that baffles us. Violence from authority, violence on many different levels. And he says, as it was in the days of Noah. Now, one of the big things is you can't just interpret Scripture through the light of America. Um, And that's one of the benefits I have. And honestly, a privilege is I love the world. Um, I love it. I I believe we're all called to. The devil will do anything he can to make the world a big, scary place to get you to do anything but go into it. Um, And so out of this, we are not called to be people who like, like, we just need a neighborhood of nothing but Christians. Like, no, like you need to go into the world. Let your little light shine. Be the salt of the earth. Uh, You know, that kind of thing. Like, go. The world needs to be saved. Um, But but out of this, in the world, I see the same thing. Um, In the world right now, there is is violence. What about the days of Sodom? Uh, Let's look at Sodom real quick in the book of Genesis. As it was in the days of Sodom, so it will be in those days of the return of the Son of Man. Genesis 19 and verse 1. Now two angels came to Sodom. The angels were getting Lot out of the city. This is symbolic of Jesus said angels will assist in the rapture and that they'll escort us to the Lord Jesus. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed with his face to the ground. 
And he said, now behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet and they may rise early and go on your way. Then they said, however, no, but we will spend the night in the square. The angels were like, no, we're going to spend the night in the square. Yet he urged them strongly, Lot did. So they turned aside to him and entered his house and he prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread and they ate. Before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. And they called to Lot and said unto him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them. But Lot went out to them in the doorway and shut the door behind him. He said, Please, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Now behold, watch this. I have two daughters who have not had relations with a man. Please let me bring them out to you. And you do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to these men. And we could keep reading. Do you see, though, what's happening in the days of Sodom? That there was sexual perversion that was not only happening, but encouraged. In a way where there was no boundary in that area anymore. No boundary at all. I ask you, look at the music that is played. Like, pull up, pull up the most popular songs right now and notice how every one of them have explicit by it. That was not the case 20 years ago. I, I ask you to look at what's encouraged in television. Look what's encouraged by movies. Look at what, what the standard is of, like, no border or boundary sexually. These things that we see in our culture today were not here 20, 30 years ago. It is shifting in our culture, in, way, in the world, in ways and a speed that is honestly just unimaginable to so many of us so long ago. Well, what is that? It's a sign of the times. As it was in the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Sodom. So it will be on the earth. Another sign. Next one is the hatred and persecution of Christians. The hatred and persecution of Christians. Jesus said in Matthew 24, they will hate you because of me. The world will hate the church. The world will hate Christians. The world will hate what they stand for. And and this connotation is globally. Uh, Before, even in America, like you gave your heart to Jesus, it's like your mom, your aunt's like crying. It's like little Johnny gave his heart to Jesus. I had a conversation with a young lady the other night. She's like, in America, she's like, if I gave my life to Jesus, do you know what my parents would think about me? There used to be safe spots where it's like if you were a Christian, you wouldn't be judged, you'd be celebrated. It would be a good thing. And now it's coming to the place where darkness is getting so dark that that as this, if you hold any type of morality that Scripture teaches us to hold, it is hated, it is judged, it is criticized, and it is ostracized. Is it something that needs to be ashamed of? No, we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we cannot as a church lower things where it's like we want to be liked by the world because Jesus said at the end of the day, the world will be so counterculture to the church that they will persecute every person who is called by the name of Jesus. A sign of the times, uh, verse uh, number seven, uh, travel and knowledge will increase. You look at Daniel chapter 12 and verse four, Daniel so prophetic. And Daniel, he's seeing the future and God's showing him all these things. He's got an angel by the name of Michael showing him all of these things that will happen. He says, shut all these things up until a, a time at the end. And he said, one of the things that will happen at the end is travel and knowledge will increase. 
And right now, like at that time when Jesus was on the earth, you might go 20 or 30 miles. Most people never ventured outside of that. This past year, 889 million people got on an airplane. Uh, you talk about knowledge increasing. They study knowledge and saw that it, it doubled every 100 years all the way up to 1900. It doubled. Knowledge doubled every 100 years at 1900. By 1945, it was doubling at a span of every 25 years. By 1981, it was doubling at the speed of every other year. And today, with the rise of AI, they anticipate knowledge will double every 12 hours. Why does this matter? Because with all of this knowledge comes new technology. With all of this, you can see very quickly with crypto and everything else how you could get a one world uh, currency. You can see with all of these other types of things that have been implemented, the mark of the beast and how with even things that have happened recently over the last three years of how government control can shut down that unless you have this, you can't come in and out of the country. Unless you have this, you can't come in and out of the store. Unless you have this, you can't come in and out of the restaurant. And I'm not saying anything that we've seen up to this point is the mark of the beast. But I'm saying out of that, can you see how that is set up for that? That when it does happen, how control can hit the earth in that way? Never before in the history of the world could the whole world be unified over one thing. But now we have seen example after example after example that the sign of the times are here. Uh, information and knowledge has increased so much that it's made, number eight, the ability for the whole world to see everything a reality. Scripture could not be fulfilled until this was uh, a possibility. In the book of Revelations, Revelations 11, verses 9 through 10, watch this. Those from the people and tribes and tongues of nations, so meaning like America, uh, Morocco, Japan, people and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies. These are two prophets, don't have time to explain, but two prophets who stand up and are declaring things in Jerusalem. People will will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days. Now, question. When John is seeing this on the Isle of Patmos, this never could have happened. In fact, 20 years ago, this never could have happened. Where everybody, not three days later, everybody, not three hours later, But everybody at the same time from every tribe and every people and every tongue be able to look at the dead bodies of people. And we literally just had an event um, uh, last last weekend where I read a news article this week that said, this week you need to take away your children's uh, TikTok. You need to take away your children's Instagram. You need to take away your children's social media because they're going to see things that they can't unsee. That you could be right here in Mississippi. And as it happens on the other side of the world, be able to get a notification on your Twitter or X or whatever it's called right now. You could get a notification. This is happening. See it. Watch it. And this scripture would never be able to be fulfilled until this time, until this season, until right now. Out of it, number nine, signs in the earth and fear of the seas. Uh, so I, like, I could show you blood moons. I could show you star Bethlehem reappearing, like all of these things that have happened the last 20 years of signs in the skies. But watch what Jesus said here in Luke 21. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth dismay among nations and perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. They're going to be perplexed over what's happening with the water, the water in the earth. They're going to be perplexed over it. Watch this. Men 
men will be so perplexed that they will be fainting from fear and the expectations of basically the end of the world will come because of the water. They're looking at the water and they're like, the world's about to end. They're looking at the seas. They're looking at rising tides and they're like, you know what's about to happen? The world is about to end. And Jesus says this, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And watch what he says in verse 27. Then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When you hear people talking about that, he said, get ready, I'm coming. I'm not telling you what to read. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. You can do whatever you want to with this information. But finally, number 10, the gospel is being preached. The gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached. And Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 14, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And I'm telling you, I go all over the world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a network of missionaries all over the world who are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. With the rise of AI and the rise of social media comes so many things that could be negative. But you know what it also does? It enables us to preach the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus. I have been in the middle of China where I talked to someone who had never heard of Adam and Eve, never heard of David and Goliath, and never heard the name Jesus. In the middle of that nation where I had a video, literally I could show him in his language of his nation. Uh, of the, the language of his nation that he could hear in Mandarin the gospel of Jesus being preached. Uh, technology is amazing. At that same place, in spite of all the restrictions that nations try to shut out, it's too far. You can't shut it out. That's what people don't understand with, about AI. It's smarter than all of us. You can't shut it down. Uh, and so like out of it, in the middle of China, I could pull up our website. And show them, like, you can, you can watch any of these messages. You can come and see any of these things. Which is why on our messages, I want to get them translated in a lot of these other nations where they can pick them up and they can see them. But the rise of the internet has made it where legitimately in our lifetime, in our lifetime, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, we'll, we'll buy boats in the Amazon, we'll get Bibles in Mozambique, we'll build Bible schools right in Turkey, we'll do whatever it takes. But the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is being preached all over the earth. And Jesus said, when they have heard, it is over. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Our King is coming. Our Lord is coming. The Bible tells us so. The signs of the times are telling us so. And I don't know if it'll be in a year. I don't know if it'll be in five. I don't know if it'll be in ten. We could all like, you know, live long enough where Jesus tarries is coming where we all die. But here's what I do know. When you see Jesus face to face, you will realize no matter how long you live, this life you had was temporal and but a vapor of smoke. And the life you have after this is forever. You want to be with Jesus and you want to take as many many people as you can with them. So I encourage you, look at the signs of the times, share your faith. Look at the signs of the times, tell people about Jesus. Look at the signs of the time, pray for lots who are still in Sodom. Look at the signs of the times, gather the family onto the boat. Look at the signs of the times. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Declare it from every single sphere of influence God has given you.
why Jesus is coming back. We'll stand before him and we'll see him face to face. Do not be alarmed. Do not be terrified by the things that you see. It is simply the earth quaking for the return of Jesus. And our king is coming, amen? Amen. Our king is coming. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for each and every one of our campuses and churches. And I ask, Father, that you would give us a heart that is, is just steadfast and fixed in you and on your promises. And Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you enable us to stand strong in this time and in this hour and be witnesses of your kingdom and witnesses of your power and love. Father, we love you so much and we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.